Shalom. My name is Adam, and I welcome you to the parable of the vineyard. Every day, Yahuwah is waking up a remnant, a group of people who are coming out of deceptions, realizing our walk is to consist of faith and obedience to His righteous commands. Each week, we read through and examine a portion of the Torah, allowing the Spirit of the Most High to guide, teach, and open our eyes and ears to the wondrous matters out of His law. Join us as we seek to be refined by His Word, preparing ourselves for the return of our King of Kings, being faithful and obedient, walking in His way, truth, and life. Shabbat Shalom and welcome back, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Parable of the Vineyard YouTube live stream of our Torah portion reading. My name is Adam, your host, and I welcome you. This is actually, we're going to do week 22 and week 23. We're going to go ahead and finish up the book of Exodus this week. And uh, this week, um, there's a lot of, uh, we're going to be covering a lot of the same things we've covered over the last couple of weeks. So this is kind of a, a review before we jump into the book of Leviticus, which is incredibly important. We'll, we'll talk more about that next week. But uh, before we get into it, let's pray. We'll do a little shofar, and we'll get into the study. Father Yahuwah, Most High, we just come before you in Yahusha's name, and we thank you, as always, Father, for allowing us to study your word, to giving even giving us a heart that wants to study your word, that wants to follow after Messiah Yahusha. And Father, we just ask that your Ruach will be with us and guide us as we read and study your word in Yahusha's name. Amen. Hallelujah. Let us be hearers and doers of the word. Uh, so let's get your shofars ready. Okay, so what we're going to do today, like I said, since it's uh, a lot of it is review, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play the Torah portion for Vayakhel, which uh, covers uh, Exodus 35.1 through 38.20. We'll stop and talk. There's a few talking points that I'd like to share. Um, not everything is reviewed. There's a couple of interesting things that I'd like to share. Um, and then um, then we'll play the audio for the rest, which will be 38.21 through 40.38. If, you didn't, if you're not familiar, um, myself and Jake Grant, we have um, been working on a dramatized audio recording of the Sefer, and I'll show you where you can find it. So if you go to the homepage, you click on playlists, and a bunch of playlists will pull up. And some of the playlists here, this is, um, these are the two completed books we have. We have the whole book of Genesis, and we have the whole book of Exodus. Um, and then there's also another playlist about Torah portion readings. So we did also did, uh, so we did full book of Genesis and Exodus, getting ready to work on Leviticus now. Um, but we also have the Torah portions as well. So we're going to play, what we're going to play first is this Torah portion right here, Vayichel. And there's a few things I want to discuss, and then we'll play this one, a few things I want to discuss, and we'll finish up the book of uh, Exodus. So with that, if you, I won't have the, uh, I'll have the scripture verses uh, on screen. It'll just have the number, the chapter and number or verse number, but it won't have the words on screen. So this would be a good opportunity if you want to break out, make sure, break out your scriptures and read along. If you like reading the words along, I won't have the words up here right now. So with that, 
Uh, let's get right into it. We'll get to Exodus 35, 1. Shemot, Exodus chapter 35. And Moshe gathered all the assembly of the children of Yashrael together, and said unto them, These are the words which Yahuwah has commanded, that ye should do them. Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day there shall be to you a holy day, a Shabbat of rest to Yahuwah. Whosoever does work thereon shall be put to death. Ye shall kindle no fire throughout your habitations upon the Sabbath. And Moshe spoke unto all the assembly of the children of Yashrael, saying, This is the thing which Yahuwah commanded, saying, Take ye from among you an offering unto Yahuwah. Whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it, an offering of Yahuwah, gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and ram skins dyed red and badger skins, and shittim wood, and oil for the light, and spices for anointing oil, and for the sweet incense, and onyx stones, and stones to be set for the ephod, and for the breastplate. And every wise-hearted among you shall come, and make all that Yahuwah has commanded, the tabernacle, his tent, and his covering, his tashes, and his boards, his bars, his pillars, and his sockets the ark, and the staves thereof, with the mercy seat, and the veil of covering, the table, and his staves, and all his vessels, and the showbread, the menorah, also for the light, and his furniture, and his lamps, with the oil for the light, and the incense altar, and his staves, and the anointing oil, and the sweet incense, and the hanging for the door at the entering in of the tabernacle the altar of burnt offering with his brazen grate, his staves and all his vessels, the laver and his foot, the hangings of the court, his pillars and their sockets, and the hanging for the door of the court, the pins of the tabernacle and the pins of the court and their cords, the cloths of service to do service in the holy place, the holy garments for Aharon the priest and the garments of his sons to minister in the priest's office, and all the assembly of the children of Yashrael departed from the presence of Moshe. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whom his ruach made willing, and they brought Yahuwah's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the assembly, and for all his service, and for the holy garments. And they came, both men and women, as many as were willing-hearted, and brought bracelets, and earrings, and rings, and tablets, all jewels of gold, and every man that offered, offered an offering of gold unto Yahuwah. And every man with whom was found blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and red skins of rams and badger skins brought them. Everyone that did offer an offering of silver and brass brought Yahuwah's offering. And every man with whom was found shittim wood for any work of the service brought it. And all the women that were wise-hearted did spin with their hands and brought that which they had spun, both of blue and of purple and of scarlet and of fine linen. And all the women 
whose heart stirred them up in wisdom spun goat's hair. And the rulers brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastplate, and spice and oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense. The children of Yashrael brought a willing offering unto Yahuwah, every man and woman, whose heart made them willing to bring for all the manner of work, which Yahuwah had commanded to be made by the hand of Moshe. And Moshe said unto the children of Yashrael, See, Yahuwah has called by name Bezalel, the son of Urai, the son of Horai, of the tribe of Yehuda, And he has filled him with the Ruach Elohim, in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship, and to devise curious works, to work in gold, and in silver, and in brass, and in the cutting of stones, to set them, and in carving of wood, to make any manner of cunning work. And he has put in his heart that he may teach both he and Aholiav, the son of Achisamach, of the tribe of Dan. Them has he filled with wisdom of heart, to work all manner of work, of the engraver, and of the cunning workman, and of the embroiderer, in blue, and in purple, in scarlet, and in fine linen, and of the weaver, even of them that do any work, and of those that devise cunning work. Shemot Exodus chapter 36 Then wrought Bezalel and Aholiav, and every wise-hearted man, in whom Yahuwah put wisdom and understanding, to know how to work all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary, according to all that Yahuwah had commanded. And Moshe called Bezalel and Aholiav, and every wise-hearted man, in whose heart Yahuwah had put wisdom, even everyone whose heart stirred him up to come unto the work to do it. And they received of Moshe all the offering which the children of Yashrael had wrought for the work of the service of the sanctuary, to make it withal. And they brought yet unto him free offerings every morning. And all the wise men that wrought all the work of the sanctuary came every man from his work which they had made. And they spoke unto Moshe, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which Yahuwah commanded to make. And Moshe gave commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, for the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make it, and too much. And every wise-hearted man among them that wrought the work of the tabernacle made ten curtains of fine twined linen, and blue, and purple, and scarlet. With cherubim of cunning work made he them. The length of one curtain was twenty and eight cubits, and the breadth of one curtain four cubits. The curtains were all of one size. And he coupled the five curtains one unto another, and the other five curtains he coupled one unto another. And he made loops of blue on the edge of one curtain from the selvage in the coupling. Likewise, he made in the uttermost side of another curtain, in the coupling of the second. Fifty loops made he in one curtain, and fifty loops made he in the edge of the curtain which was in the coupling of the second. The loops held one curtain to another. He made fifty tashes of gold, and coupled the curtains one unto another with the tashes, so it became one tabernacle. And he made curtains of goat's hair for the tent over the tabernacle. Eleven curtains he made them. The length of one curtain was thirty cubits, and four cubits was the breadth of one curtain. Eleven curtains were of one size. 
and he coupled the five curtains by themselves, and six curtains by themselves. And he made fifty loops upon the uttermost edge of the curtain in the coupling, and fifty loops made he upon the edge of the curtain which couples the second. And he made fifty tashes of brass to couple the tent together, that it might be one. And he made a covering for the tent of ram skins dyed red, and a covering of badger skins above that. And he made the boards for the tabernacle of shittim wood standing up. The length of a board was ten cubits, and the breadth of a board one cubit and a half. One board had two tenons, equally distant one from another. Thus did he make for all the boards of the tabernacle. And he made the boards for the tabernacle, twenty boards for the south side, southward. And forty sockets of silver he made under the twenty boards, two sockets under one board for his two tenants, and two sockets under another board for his two tenants. And for the other side of the tabernacle, which is toward the north corner, he made twenty boards. And there forty sockets of silver, two sockets under one board, and two sockets under another board. And for the sides of the tabernacle westward, he made six boards. And two boards made he for the corners of the tabernacle and the two sides. And they were coupled beneath, and coupled together at the head thereof, to one ring. Thus he did to both of them in both of the corners. And there were eight boards, and their sockets were sixteen sockets of silver, and under every board two sockets. And he made bars of shittim wood, five for the boards of the one side of the tabernacle, and five bars for the boards of the other side of the tabernacle, and five bars for the boards of the tabernacle for the sides westward. And he made the middle bar to shoot through the boards from the one end to the other. And he overlaid the boards with gold, and made their rings of gold, to be places for the bars, and overlaid the bars with gold. And he made a veil of blue, and purple, and scarlet, and fine twined linen. With Kerovim he made it of cunning work. And he made thereunto four pillars of shittim wood, and overlaid them with gold. Their hooks were of gold, and he cast for them four sockets of silver, and he made a hanging for the tabernacle door of blue, and purple, and scarlet, and fine twine linen of needlework. And the five pillars of it, their hooks, and he overlaid their chapiters and their fillets with gold, but their five sockets were of brass. Shemot, Exodus chapter 37. And Bezalel made the ark of shittim wood. Two cubits and a half was the length of it, and a cubit and a half the breadth of it, and a cubit and a half the height of it. And he overlaid it with pure gold, within and without, and made a crown of gold to it round about. And he cast for it four rings of gold, to be set by the four corners of it, even two rings upon the one side of it, and two rings upon the other side of it. And he made staves of shittim wood, and overlaid them with gold. And he put the staves into the rings by the sides of the ark, to bear the ark. And he made the mercy seat of pure gold, two cubits and a half was the length thereof, and one cubit and a half the breadth thereof. And he made two cherubim of gold, beaten out of one piece made he them, on the two ends of the mercy seat, one cherub on the end of this side, and another cherub on the other end of that side. Out of the mercy seat made he the cherubim on the two ends thereof, and the cherubim spread out their wings on high, 
and covered with their wings over the mercy seat, with their faces one to another, even to the mercy seatward were the faces of the cherubim. And he made the table of shittim wood, two cubits was the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And he overlaid it with pure gold, and made thereunto a crown of gold round about. Also he made thereunto a border of a handbreadth round about, and made a crown of gold for the border thereof round about. And he cast for it four rings of gold, and put the rings upon the four corners that were in the four feet thereof. Over against the border were the rings, the places for the staves to bear the table. And he made the staves of shittim wood, and overlaid them with gold to bear the table. And he made the vessels which were upon the table, his dishes, and his spoons, and his bowls, and his covers to cover withal of pure gold. And he made the menorah of pure gold, of beaten work he made the menorah, his shaft, and his branch, his bowls, his knops, and his flowers were of the same. And six branches going out of the sides thereof, three branches of the menorah out of the one side thereof, and three branches of the menorah out of the other side thereof, three bowls made after the fashion of almonds in one branch, a knop and a flower, and three bowls made like almonds in another branch, a knop and a flower. So throughout the six branches going out of the menorah. And in the menorah were four bowls made like almonds, his knops and his flowers, and a knop under two branches of the same, and a knop under two branches of the same, and a knop under two branches of the same, according to the six branches going out of it. Their knops and their branches were of the same. All of it was one beaten work of pure gold. And he made his seven lamps and his snuffers and his snuff dishes of pure gold. Of a talent of pure gold made he it, and all the vessels thereof. And he made the incense altar of shittim wood. The length of it was a cubit, and the breadth of it a cubit. It was four square. Two cubits was the height of it. The horns thereof were of the same. And he overlaid it with pure gold, both the top of it and the sides thereof round about. And the horns of it also he made unto it a crown of gold round about. And he made two rings of gold for it under the crown thereof, by the two corners of it, upon the two sides thereof, to be places for the staves to bear it withal. And he made the staves of shittim wood, and overlaid them with gold. And he made the holy anointing oil, and the pure incense of sweet spices, according to the work of the apothecary. Shemot, Exodus chapter 38. And he made the altar of burnt offering of shittim wood. Five cubits was the length thereof, and five cubits the breadth thereof. It was four square, and three cubits the height thereof. And he made the horns thereof on the four corners of it. The horns thereof were of the same, and he overlaid it with brass. And he made all the vessels of the altar, the pots, and the shovels, and the basins, and the flesh hooks, and the fire pans, all the vessels thereof he made of brass. And he made for the altar a brazen grate of network under the compass thereof, beneath unto the midst of it. And he cast four rings for the four ends of the grate of brass, to be places for the staves. And he made the staves of shittim wood, and overlaid them with brass. And he put the staves into the rings on the sides of the altar, to bear it withal. He made the altar hollow with boards. And he made the laver of brass, and the foot of it brass. 
of the looking glasses of the women assembling, which assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the assembly. And he made the court on the south side southward. The hangings of the court were of fine twined linen, a hundred cubits. Their pillars were twenty, and their brazen sockets twenty. The hooks of the pillars and their fillets were of silver. And for the north side, the hangings were a hundred cubits. Their pillars were twenty, and their sockets of brass twenty. The hooks of the pillars and their fillets of silver. And for the west side were hangings of fifty cubits. Their pillars ten, and their sockets ten. The hooks of the pillars and their fillets of silver. And for the east side, eastward, fifty cubits. The hangings of the one side of the gate were fifteen cubits. Their pillars three, and their sockets three. And for the other side of the court gate, on this hand and on that hand, were hangings of fifteen cubits. Their pillars three, and their sockets three. All the hangings of the court round about were of fine twined linen, and the sockets for the pillars were of brass. The hooks of the pillars and their fillets of silver, and the overlaying of their chapiters of silver, and all the pillars of the court were filleted with silver. And the hanging for the gate of the court was needlework of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twined linen, and twenty cubits was the length. And the height in the breadth was five cubits, answerable to the hangings of the court. And their pillars were four, and their sockets of brass four, their hooks of silver, and the overlaying of their chapiters and their fillets of silver. And all the pins of the tabernacle, and of the court round about, were of brass. Okay, we're back. Praise yeah. So again, that's uh, the word audio. We've been working on it. Praise yeah. We started it last year, uh, and uh, praise yeah. We're back doing it again. So, anyways, uh, a couple things I want to talk about. So, not everything is um, um, is repeated from what we've been studying the last couple weeks. But one of the things I really want to talk about is actually right here in the first three verses, because again, we're looking for. We really want to look for all. All of it's important, but we really want to look for like what. How can we apply this to our walk today? What is uh, completely relevant? Um, now, obviously, we're not building a physical temple for him right now, um, a spiritual temple, which we'll talk about in just a bit. But here, this is practical application because it's talking about the Sabbath day here, Exodus 35, 2. Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day there shall be to you a holy day, a Shabbat of rest to Yahuwah. Whoever does work thereon shall be put to death. You shall kindle no fire throughout your habitations upon the Shabbat. So two things here. So uh, for, you know, some of you who are really new, it's like, what do you do? What's different about the Shabbat? We do have a video um, that goes over a lot of the frequently asked questions about Shabbat. But the basic premise is, of course, is we put down our labor. We put down how, how we earn our bread, if you will. Um, also making sure that we don't make others work. So some would say, well, you know, if I go to a restaurant during Shabbat, you know, they're working anyways. I don't think that's what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, I think commerce should be shut down also as well. Um, anyways, so just some basic things, but this is a curious one right here. This is actually this verse, this one verse right here is the topic of much debate, whether, uh, what this, what this means, uh, he shall have no fire. So my, you know, my question, again, I'm the, I'm the, uh, the question guy sometimes, I, I think about friends that I have uh, in Canada, Alaska, um, 
the northern part of uh, of uh, United States, where you know if we're looking at like winter time, and we take this literally, you shall kindle no fire throughout your habitations on Shabbat, then technically they're not able to heat their homes. And and I'm like, wait a minute. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense because, you know, Messiah does say specifically that the Shabbat, it says, this is Mark 2, 27, and he said unto them, the Shabbat was made for man, not man for the Shabbat. It's supposed to be a gift. It's not supposed to be a burden. It's not supposed to be something where it's like, like, because I honestly, if I was, if I was living in, in, in Alaska or some of these colder climates and, you know, especially around wintertime, like I would, I would dread Shabbat. Like I can't heat my home. And so anyways, a lot of those questions started stirring. And um, back then we have to rec recognize that a lot of the professions uh, required fire. And so the whole thing behind Shabbat is putting down your labor. So it's very possible this could have been talking about, you know, blacksmiths or um, many professions. Actually, if you if you do some research, man, many professions required fire. So that could be um, that could be the the main point of what this is talking about because other questions I had is, um, you know, this brings up another topic, a topic that, um, for some reason breeds a lot of, uh, discontent and discord. Um, it's, it's commonly taught in Judaism that you cannot cook on Shabbat. So you make all, you make everything on Friday and then you have basically cold leftovers on Shabbat. That never sat well with me either because in Leviticus 23, the Shabbat is, is um, spoken about as an appointed time. It's a feast of Yahuwah. And I just thought to myself, well, if we're eating just yummy, warm food, you know, all week, and then the Shabbat comes and we have to uh, just eat cold leftovers, like, hey, if that's the deal, fine. I'll, I'll make sacrifices. It's just food. But it just never seemed right. And, you know, I've never put this into uh, a video. I just have an article, Cooking on Shabbat. You know, is that okay? And uh, so anyways, I've, I've got a, a downloadable Word document uh, or the article here um, about cooking on Shabbat. And so long story short, I do believe that cooking is allowed on Shabbat. Just like, um, you know, like Passover and the other feasts. Well, what are you going to eat if nobody cooks, right? Um, it's very similar in Shabbat. So people would uh, would argue or, or debate with me that you can't because look, look here, silly. It says right here, no fire. So you can't have a fire. And so, okay. And then I was thinking about, you know, okay, if we can't do that, because Judaism also says you can't drive a car because it sparks a flame and um, so many other things. You know, should you t then t turn off your electricity because uh, apparently um, with, you know, you know, coal power, there's, there's fire. And so there's lots of questions. And so I, I just want to share some of the stuff I've researched over the years. And I don't claim to have everything right, but I certainly want to search it out and um, um, at least see what how what, what the word says and so th this is a standalone verse you'll never see another verse that says no fire on shabbat however there is something you see quite a few times and i'd like to share it with you uh and by the way a couple of I, i've gotten a lot of you that have asked about study notes for everything we cover because obviously we don't just go through the torah portion we go through um the prophets the writings new testament stuff and so i have a link for everything we cover in the study notes and that's always in the um description box which is below the video there'll, there'll, there'll be a little box you can expand it's got ministry information but it also has the study notes as well if you want to take a look at uh, what we have all right so a um, couple things to consider Isaiah 58 
13 through 14. It says, If you turn away your foot from the Shabbat so as to not to do your pleasure on the holy days and shall call the Sabbath delightful, holy to Elohim, if you shall not lift up your foot to work, listen to this, nor speak a word in anger out of your mouth, then shall you trust on Yahuwah, and he shall bring you up to the good places of the land and feed you with the heritage of Yaakov your father, for the mouth of Yahuwah has spoken this. So this is Isaiah 58 in the um, the Septuagint, the Greek version of the scriptures. So here we see something very peculiar. It says, uh, so no working, obvious, but also says, nor speak a word in anger out of your mouth. And we can see... Uh, this is just one quick passage. Deuteronomy 32 says, For a fire is kindled by my anger. And there's probably 30 verses I could have shared with you about the relation of fire and anger. And we'll we'll go a little bit deeper into that. And uh, so what I'm getting at here is I do believe that this kindling no fire is to have no anger uh, in your dwelling places. There should, this should not be a, a time of anger, of argument. Um, so it says here, Holy to Elohim, if you shall not lift up your foot to work, nor speak a word in anger out of your mouth. So this is talking specifically about the Sabbath. And then we go to the Aramaic, and we see something even further. It says also, this is also uh, Isaiah 58, 13 and 14. If you turn your, away your foot from the Shabbat, from following your employment on my set apart today. So this is a little more specific, and this is, I do believe, is correct, you know, because... Some people, if you look at uh, the word pleasure, um, you know, let's say, okay, it's like, you know, can can you not crochet on Shabbat? I mean, what if my pleasure is to read the word? I mean, it gets it, the great, it's it's like, it becomes a gray area really quickly. It's like, well, what's a pleasure? I mean, I have pleasure in, you know, um, walking down to the river, you know, is that, so really I think the, the true definition of following your pleasure really is following your employment on my set-apart day and do meet the Shabbat with great delight to sanctify Yahuwah and honor him not doing your own ways and listen to this nor making your wants ample nor speaking violent words we read earlier Deuteronomy 32 22 says for a fire is kindled by my anger is that what this is talking about you shall kindle no fire throughout your habitations is Yahweh saying hey this is not a day for anger for strife those kind of things very possible um, I want to share a passage with you that uh, that my wife brought up to my attention this morning it actually had nothing to do with uh, the Torah portion but I found it is was really in, in due season. I think uh, it was meant for this to be uh, included in this Torah portion. It goes along with what we're talking about here. This is Sirach chapter 28. And uh, in case you're new, Sirach was included in the 1611 KJV and the Apocrypha section was also included in the, uh, the Septuagint uh, as well. So he that takes vengeance will suffer vengeance from Yahuwah and he will firmly establish his sins. Forgive your neighbor the wrong he has done, and then your sins will be pardoned when you pray. Now, real quickly, I'm, I'm reading this whole chapter. Not all of it is relevant, but there is a nice big chunk that is. But I just thought this whole chapter was good. That's why I want to read it. Does a man harbor anger against another and yet seek for healing from Yahuwah? Does he have no mercy towards a man like himself and yet pray for his own sins? If he himself, being flesh, maintains wrath, who will make expiation for his sins? Remember the end of your life and cease from enmity. Remember destruction and death and be true to the commandments. Remember the commandments and do not be angry with your neighbor. 
Remember the covenant of the Most High and overlook ignorance. Restrain from strife and you will lessen sins. For a man given to anger will kindle strife. So, they, so you're seeing again this anger and kindle kind of relating. And a sinful man will disturb friends and inject enmity among those who are at peace. In proportion to the fuel for the fire, so will be the burning. And in proportion to the obstinacy of strife will be the burning. In proportion to the strength of the man will be his anger. And in proportion to his wealth, he will heighten his wrath. A hasty quarrel kindles fire. So you're seeing, are you starting to see this kind of pattern here? A hasty quarrel kindles fire and urgent strife sheds blood. If you blow on a spark, it will glow. If you spit on it, it'll be put out and both come out of your mouth. So power of life and death is in the tongue. And we have, and, and through our mouths, we have the ability to kindle this fire. Like it says, blow on it and make it glow or grow. Uh, or you can douse it. And the book of Proverbs says, a soft answer turns away wrath. So we have the ability to go anger for anger, tit for tat, um, or, or we have the ability to douse the anger and, and uh, uh, douse the kindling fire. Curse the whisperer and deceiver, for he has destroyed many who are at peace. Slander has shaken many and scattered them from nation to nation and destroyed strong cities and overturned the houses of great men. Slander has driven away courageous women and deprived them of the fruit of their toil. Whoever pays heed to slander will not find rest, nor will he settle down in peace. The blow of a whip raises a welt, but the blow of the tongue crushes the bones. Many have fallen by the edge of the sword, but not so many as have fallen because of the tongue. Happy is the man who is protected from it, who has not been exposed to its anger, who has not borne its yoke, and has not been bound with its fetters. For its yoke is a yoke of iron, and its fetters are fetters of bronze. Its death is an evil death, and Hades is preferable to it. It will not be master over the godly, and they will not be burned in its flame. Those who forsake Yahweh will fall into its power. It will burn among them and will not be put out. It will be sent out against them like a lion, like a leopard. It will mangle them. See that you fence in your property with thorns. Lock up your silver and gold. Make balances and scales for your words and make a door and a bolt for your mouth. Beware lest you err with your tongue, lest you fall before him who lies in wait. So uh, just a couple things I want to share. And um, yeah, so that's just kind of my understanding uh, I say my understanding, the understanding I have at this time is I do believe that this is talking about um, not speaking words of anger on your habitations or, or, you know, wherever you're at in Shabbat. It should not be a day of anger um, and no day should be a day for slander or gossip or any of those kind of things. And so this is how the mouth kindles these things. So that's just where I'm at. I know a lot of people disagree, especially on this topic right here. Again, I do believe it is a-okay to cook on Shabbat. Um, I think that's the day for the best meal. I think that's a day to have the best food of the week. It's a feast. It's a feast with Yahweh. It's an appointment with him. It's a, it's a, um, yeah, it's an appointment with him. So um, I know a lot of you disagree, and I'm sure uh, you'll you'll share that with me. But hopefully we can. Um, we can still share the love even in the midst of our disagreements. So anyways, um, a couple of things I want to point out in ch verse 22 of chapter 35. And it says, And they came, both men and women, as many as were willing-hearted and brought bracelets and earrings and such and such. But the point here is willing-hearted. So the first tabernacle was built by those who had willing hearts. It's like they didn't have to be convinced 
They didn't have to be talked into it. They're like, no, I want to. And how much more uh, the final temple, if you think about it. As I was mentioning, 1 Peter 2, 5, you also as lively stones, living stones. I know we've quoted this quite a bit over the last few weeks, but this is a very important passage. You also as lively or living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to Elohim by Yahushua HaMashiach. So in a spiritual sense, we are being built right now, but in a physical sense, I mean, we, his people, are literally the building blocks for New Jerusalem that he's going to dwell inside. So Paul says very boldly that, don't you know that you are the temple of Elohim? I think that's true in a singular sense, but also, more importantly, in a corporate or bodily sense that we together, and that's why we have to have shalom uh, with each other, uh, because uh, how can a house be built with a a bunch of... um, Hatred and strife and enmity and envy and jealousy and uh, anger and all sorts of things against each other. Let it not be so. Um, also, Isaiah 65, 1 through 2, talking about a willing people. And he says here, I am sought of them that asked not for me. I am found of them that sought me not. I said, behold me, behold me unto a nation that was not called by name. I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people, which walks in a way that was not good after their own thoughts. So just a, a um, for uh, just a comparison between um, ancient physical Israel, who, I mean, ever since day one, have Moses bringing them out of, or Yahweh bringing them out of um, Egypt, just rebellious since day one. And of course, right after Moses and Joshua died, went right to following the, after the nations and idols and those kind of things. And all the time, you're sending the prophets to bring them back. And, you know, once in a while, you'd have a righteous king to bring them back, but then they'd go astray. And, and so he's just reflecting on a people like now, like think about a, a people right now that have a willing heart that just want to serve them. And I can't speak for him, but I imagine that he thoroughly enjoys that. And I think that's what he's wanted from day one is just the people that looks around and is like, wow, thank you for making all this. The warmth, the sun, the, the beauty of the, of the stars and, and, the, and the constellations and the, the wandering stars and the phases of the moon and um, the beautiful blue firmament and the waters and the rivers and the oceans and the sound of the bird. I mean, all of it. It's like, wow, thank you. I know that you, it says that, you know, you through Yahusha made everything. Thanks for making me. Anyways, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent here, of course, but um, I can only imagine that he's thankful that there's a group of people that is waking up and like, I want to serve you. You don't have to force me. You don't have to send a prophet to slap me around in the face. I want to serve you. Just teach us. Put your Torah on our hearts. Um, we're not going to read that one. So, all right. Um, what else? Okay, so also in chapter 36 in general. So, the, you know, this, the rest of this portion here is, of course, about building the temple, uh, the construction of the tabernacle, um, all the vessels in there. And just a reminder, uh, you know, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, uh, and a few others shows us that we all have different offices or positions in the body. And uh, I would encourage you, if you have not found what it is you're supposed to be doing uh, to be a worker in the field, I think we all have a position uh, and some are a little more uh, visible than others. Some are a lot more behind the scenes. I don't like that word behind the scenes. It reminds me of like movies and stuff. But uh, some are, are some 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 people's responsibilities are not in the public limelight and are are done uh, secretly or privately. Um, you know. Anyways, the point is, um, it, it took 
a lot of people it took a lot of willing hearts to build up this tabernacle. How much more also uh, for the ta- for this greater the greatest the final tabernacle uh, that's going to be revealed with Messiah Yahushua. In uh, Exodus thirty seven nine. Uh, oh, that's 36.9. I'm like, that doesn't look right. 37.9. It just talks about the cherubim. And uh, I, th- I think these are a couple of verses we I, I skipped um, over the last couple of weeks. Just a reminder of what the ark really kind of symbolized. So um, you've got these two cherubim here. And we'll read a lot of scripture that says that these cherubim act as like his chair, his throne. They, he sits on the cherubim. So let's read a couple of these. There's quite a few, but I just picked out a couple. Psalm 80, verse 1. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you that lead Yosef like a flock, you that dwell between the cherubims, shine forth. So dwelling between the cherubims. We know that everything that was made here on the earth is a copy of the heavenlies. Psalm 99, 1. Yahweh reigns. Let the people tremble. He sits between the cherubims. Let the earth be moved. Psalm 18.10, and he rode upon a cherub and did fly. Yes, he did fly upon the wings of the wind. Ezekiel 10.1-19, then I looked and behold, in the firmament that was above the head of the cherubims, there appeared over them as it were a sapphire stone, as the appearance of the likeness of his throne. So uh, we've mentioned this before, but it's really, really interesting Kind of, I believe that why we're commanded to wear the blue in our seat seat is to remind us of the throne that has an appearance of the sapphire. Um, the uh, the the Ten Commandments, the tablets were sapphire. I do believe that the firmament, uh, rakia, which says it's a solid hard surface, I believe is uh, sapphire, and that's why I believe it gives off the blue uh, appearance. Um, what else is sapphire? I think I'm missing something. Anyways, but yeah. And he spake unto the man clothed with linen and said, Go in between the wheels, even under the cherub, and fill your hand with coals of fire between the cherubims, and scatter them over the city. And he went in my sight. Now the cherubim stood on the right side of the house when the man went in, and the cloud filled the inner court. Then the glory of Yahuwah went up from the cherub and stood over the threshold of the house. And the house was filled with the cloud, and the court was full of the brightness of Yahuwah's glory. And the sound of the cherubim's wings was heard even to the outer court as the voice of the almighty Elohim when he speaks. And it came to pass that when he had commanded the man clothed with linen, saying, Take fire from between the wheels, from between the cherubims. Then he went in and stood beside the wheels. And one cherub stretched forth his hand from between the cherubims unto the fire that was between the cherubims and took thereof and put it into the hands of him that was clothed with linen who took it and went out. And there appeared in the cherubims the form of a man's hands under their wings. And when I looked, behold, the four wheels by the cherubims, one by one wheel by one cherub and another wheel by another cherub. And the appearance of the wheels was as the color of a barrel stone. And as for their appearances, they had the, uh, they four had one likeness, as if a wheel had been in the midst of a wheel. And when they went, they went upon their four sides. They turned not as they went, but to the place where the head looked, they followed. They turned not as they went. And their whole body and their backs and their hands and their wings and the wheels were full of eyes round about, even the wheels that they four had. And so um, this is some, a question I posed in, we did a, a two-part series of the Alien Agenda. And I, I just I just asked a question like, 
not if, but when these cherubim come down flying with all sorts of wings and hands and, and eyes all over them. Uh, someone did say that if you, that this could also be translated as um, stones all over them. Either way, you know, are, are people that people that aren't in scripture, people of the world, are they going to be like, oh, look, a cherubim? Or are they going to be like, uh, what is that alien thing? You know? Um, anyways, so just um, want to share a little bit about the cherubim. We'll, we'll keep reading. We'll finish. Verse 13, as for the wheels, it was cried unto them in my hearing, O wheel, Ophanim. This is the Ophanim. And you have the four wheels. This is kind of what I believe symbolizing these um, rings that hold the, um, the staves. But I think possibly these wheels are on the edge of his throne. And everyone had four faces. The first was the face of a cherub, and the, the second was the face of a man, and the third the face of a lion, and the fourth, fourth the face of an eagle. And the cherubims were lifted up. This is the living creature that I saw by the river of Chebar. And when the cherubims went, the wheels went by them. And when the cherubims lifted their wings to mount up from the earth, the same wheels, the Ophanim, these are just another class, the, the wheels here, Ophanim, that's another class of angels. The wheels also turned not from beside them. When they stood, these stood. When they were lifted up, these lifted up themselves also. For the spirit of the living creature was in them. Then the glory of Yahweh departed from off the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubims. The cherubims lifted up their wings and mounted up from the earth in my sight. When they went out, the wheels also were beside them, and everyone stood at the door of the east of the gate of Yahweh's house, and the glory of the Elohim of Israel was above them. One thing I didn't put in the study notes, but um, if you want to take a look at Ezekiel 28, you'll find that Satan was one of these cherubs. Now, which one? Was he the one that bore up the throne? We don't really know, but... Um, you know, this is talking about the um, king of Tyrus. But however, if you read, you'll recognize this is not talking about a human. It says, so this is Ezekiel 38, I'm sorry, 28, 12. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus says Yahweh Elohim, you seal up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You have been in Eden in the garden of Elohim. Obviously, we know a human king was not here. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of your tabrets and of your pipes was prepared in you in the day that you were created. Listen, you are the anointed cherub that covers, and I have set you so. You were upon the holy mountain of Elohim. You have walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. You were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created until iniquity was found in you. And it goes on, uh, of course, of some condemnation. But it seemed that the, the point is, is that Satan was very close to Yahuwah. What, what exactly his position as the cherub that covers? Is this one of the cherub that covers? I don't know. I, I don't have that information. Maybe some of you that do would like to share it. But anyways, just uh, wanted to pick out a few things I thought was interesting about this Torah portion. Uh, if we go to Exodus 37, 24, it says here, Of a talent of pure gold he made it. This is talking about the candlestick or the menorah. Uh, and if we look up, a talent is 75 pounds. And that reminds me of what we read about in the book of Revelation. It says, Revelation 16, 21, And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. So stones of 75 pounds. What's that going to look like? So anyways, um, so we ended the reading at um, 3820. 
And so we're going to play the next portion of the Torah reading, and then we'll ha I'll have a few things to mention, and then we'll, uh, we'll finish up the, this Torah portion and the book of Exodus. So uh, stand by for Exodus 38.21. Somewhere. This is the sum of the tabernacle, even of the tabernacle of the assembly, as it was counted according to the commandment of Moshe, for the service of the Leviim by the hand of Ithamar, son to Aharon the priest. And Betzalel, the son of Urai, the son of Chorai, of the tribe of Yehudah, made all that Yahuwah commanded Moshe, and with him was Aholivav, son of Achisamach, of the tribe of Dan, an engraver, and a cunning workman, and an embroider in blue, and in purple, and in scarlet, and fine linen. All the gold that was occupied for the work in all the work of the holy place, even the gold of the offering, was twenty and nine talents, and seven hundred and thirty shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary. And the silver of them that were numbered of the assembly was a hundred talents, and a hundred thousand seven hundred and threescore and fifteen shekels, after the shekel of the sanctuary. A bika for every man, that is, half a shekel, after the shekel of the sanctuary, for every one that went to be numbered from twenty years old and upward, for six hundred thousand and three thousand and five hundred and fifty men. And of the hundred talents of silver were cast the sockets of the sanctuary, and the sockets of the veil, a hundred sockets of a hundred talents, a talent for a socket. And of the thousand seven hundred seventy and five shekels, he made hooks for the pillars, and overlaid their chapiters, and filleted them. And the brass of the offering was seventy talents, and two thousand and four hundred shekels. And therewith he made the sockets to the door of the tabernacle of the assembly, and the brazen altar, and the brazen grate for it, and all the vessels of the altar, and the sockets of the court round about, and the sockets of the court gate, and all the pins of the tabernacle, and all the pins of the court round about. Shemot, Exodus chapter 39. And of the blue, and purple, and scarlet, they made cloths of service, to do service in the holy place, and made the holy garments for Aharon, as Yahuwah commanded Moshe. And he made the ephod of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet, and fine twined linen. And they did beat the gold into thin plates, and cut it into wires, to work it in the blue, and in the purple, and in the scarlet, and in the fine linen, with cunning work. They made shoulder pieces for it, to couple it together, by the two edges was it coupled together. And the belt of his ephod, that was upon it, was of the same, according to the work thereof, of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet, and fine twined linen, as Yahuwah commanded Moshe. And they wrought onyx stones, enclosed in alches of gold, graven as signets are graven, with the names of the children of Yasharel. And he put them on the shoulders of the ephod, that they should be stones for a memorial to the children of Yashrael, as Yahuwah commanded Moshe. 
and he made the breastplate of cunning work, like the work of the ephod, of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet, and fine twined linen. It was foursquare. They made the breastplate double. A span was the length thereof, and a span the breadth thereof, being doubled. And they set in it four rows of stones. The first row was a sardius, a topaz, and a carbuncle. This was the first row. And the second row, an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond. And the third row, a ligure, an agate, and an amethyst. And the fourth row, a beryl, an onyx, and a jasper. They were enclosed in ouches of gold in their enclosings. And the stones were according to the names of the children of Yashrael, twelve according to their names. Like the engravings of a signet, everyone with his name according to the twelve tribes. And they made upon the breastplate chains at the end of wreathen work of pure gold. And they made two ouches of gold and two gold rings, and put the two rings in the two ends of the breastplate. And they put the two wreathen chains of gold in the two rings on the ends of the breastplate. And the two ends of the two wreathen chains they fastened in the two ouches, and put them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod before it. And they made two rings of gold, and put them on the two ends of the breastplate, upon the border of it, which was on the side of the ephod inward. And they made two other golden rings, and put them on the two sides of the ephod underneath, toward the forepart of it, over against the other coupling thereof, above the belt of the ephod. And they did bind the breastplate by his rings unto the rings of the ephod with a lace of blue, that it might be above the belt of the ephod, and that the breastplate might not be loosed from the ephod, as Yahuwah commanded Moshe. And he made the robe of the ephod of woven work, all of blue. And there was a hole in the midst of the robe, as the hole of a habergeon, with a band round about the hole, that it should not rend. And they made upon the hems of the robe pomegranates of blue, and purple, and scarlet, and twined linen. And they made bells of pure gold, and the bells between the pomegranates unto the hem of the robe, round about between the pomegranates. A bell and a pomegranate, a bell and a pomegranate, round about the hem of the robe to minister in, as Yahuwah commanded Moshe. And they made coats of fine linen of woven work for Aharon, and for his sons, and a turban of fine linen, and goodly bonnets of fine linen, and linen breeches of fine twined linen, and a belt of fine twined linen, and blue, and purple, and scarlet of needlework, as Yahuwah commanded Moshe. And they made the plate of the holy crown of pure gold, and wrote it upon a writing, like the engravings of a signet, Kodesh el Yahuwah. And they tied it unto a lace of blue, to fasten it on high upon the turban, as Yahuwah commanded Moshe. Thus was all the work of the tabernacle of the tent of the assembly finished. And the children of Yashrael did according to all that Yahuwah commanded Moshe, so did they. And they brought the tabernacle unto El Moshe, the tent, and all his furniture, his tashes, his boards, his bars, and his pillars, and his sockets. And the covering of ram skins dyed red, and the covering of badger skins, and the veil of the covering, the ark of the testimony, and the staves thereof, and the mercy seat, the table, and all the vessels thereof, and the showbread, 
the pure menorah, with the lamps thereof, even with the lamps to be set in order, and all the vessels thereof, and the oil for light, and the golden altar, the anointing oil, and the sweet incense, and the hanging for the tabernacle door, the brazen altar, his grate of brass, his staves, and all his vessels, the laver, and his foot, the hangings of the court, his pillars, his sockets, and the hanging for the court gate, his cords, and his pins, and all the vessels of the service of the tabernacle, for the tent of the assembly, the cloths of service to do service in the holy place, and the holy garments for Aharon the priest, and for his son's garments to minister in the priest's office, according to all that Yahuwah commanded Moshe. So the children of Yashrael made all the work. And Moshe did look upon all the work, and behold, they had done it as Yahuwah had commanded. Even so had they done it, and Moshe blessed them. Shemot, Exodus chapter 40. And Yahuwah spoke unto Moshe, saying, On the first day of the first month shall you set up the tabernacle of the tent of the assembly, and you shall put therein the ark of the testimony, and cover the ark with the veil. And you shall bring the table, and set in order the things that are to be set in order upon it. You shall bring the menorah, and light the lamps thereof. And you shall set the altar of gold for the incense before the ark of the testimony, and put the hangings of the door to the tabernacle. And you shall set the altar of burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of the assembly. And you shall set the laver between the tent of the assembly and the altar, and shall put water therein. And you shall set the court round about, and hang up the hanging at the court gate. And you shall take the anointing oil, and anoint the tabernacle, and all that is therein, and shall hallow it, and all the vessels thereof, and it shall be holy. And you shall anoint the altar of the burnt offering, and all his vessels, and sanctify the altar, and it shall be an altar most holy. And you shall anoint the laver and his foot, and sanctify it. And you shall bring Aharon and his sons unto the door of the tabernacle of the assembly, and wash them with water. And you shall put upon Aharon the holy garments, and anoint him, and sanctify him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And you shall bring his sons, and clothe them with coats. And you shall anoint them, as you anointed their father, that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. For their anointing shall surely be an everlasting priesthood throughout their generations. Thus did Moshe, according to all that Yahuwah commanded him, so did he. And it came to pass in the first month in the second year, on the first day of the month, that the tabernacle was reared up. And Moshe reared up the tabernacle, and fastened his sockets, and set up the boards thereof, and put in the bars thereof, and reared up his pillars. And he spread abroad the tent over the tabernacle, and put the covering of the tent above upon it, as Yahuwah commanded Moshe. And he took and put the testimony into the ark, and set the staves on the ark, and put the mercy seat above upon the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle, and set up the veil of the covering, and covered the ark of the testimony, as Yahuwah commanded Moshe. And he put the table in the tent of the assembly, upon the side of the tabernacle northward without the veil. And he set the bread in order upon it before Yahuwah, as Yahuwah commanded Moshe. 
And he put the menorah in the tent of the assembly over against the table on the side of the tabernacle southward. And he lighted the lamps before Yahuwah, as Yahuwah commanded Moshe. And he put the golden altar in the tent of the assembly before the veil. And he burnt sweet incense thereon, as Yahuwah commanded Moshe. And he set up the hanging at the door of the tabernacle. And he put the altar of burnt offering by the door of the tabernacle of the tent of the assembly, and offered upon it the burnt offering and the meat offering, as Yahuwah commanded Moshe. And he set the laver between the tent of the assembly and the altar, and put water therein to wash withal. And Moshe and Aharon and his sons washed their hands and their feet thereat. When they went into the tent of the assembly, and when they came near unto the altar, they washed, as Yahuwah commanded Moshe. And he reared up the court round about the tabernacle and the altar, and set up the hanging of the court gate. So Moshe finished the work. Then a cloud covered the tent of the assembly, and the glory of Yahuwah filled the tabernacle. And Moshe was not able to enter into the tent of the assembly, because the cloud abode thereon, and the glory of Yahuwah filled the tabernacle. And when the cloud was taken up over the tabernacle, the children of Yashorel went onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud were not taken up, then they journeyed not till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of Yahuwah was upon the tabernacle day by day, and fire on it by night, in the sight of all the house of Yashorel, throughout all their journeys. Okay, so we are back. A um, couple things I want to share. Uh, again, looking at practical application to our lives today. So a lot of people are recognizing that uh, it's it's commanded that we observe the the new moon. And um, this has been a, a kind of a back and forth question whether the the new moon is a Shabbat or not. And so it's interesting, regardless of what calendar you keep, whether it's uh, setting the the new month by the moon phases or whether you're on a solar calendar. Um, the first day of the month is the first day of the month. And so the question is, is it a Shabbat? So the short, the short answer is no, in my opinion, of course, because there is zero commandments that says there's no commandment that exists that says that the new moon is a Shabbat. Um, some people do quote Amos 8.5 that says, you know, when will the new moon be gone that we may buy and sell? What's interesting is if you look at the, the Dead Sea Scrolls copy of Amos 8, you'll find that that whole passage is just not even there. So very possible it was added. But the point is, um, it says here in Exodus 40, verse 2, on the first day of the month shall you set up the tabernacle of the tent of assembly. So um, first day of the month, that's the new month. That's the first day of the month. And so the question is, is that first day of the month, is it a Shabbat or not? Uh, and so we, I, I wouldn't say so. And, and uh, it's confirmed here as well. Um, verse 17 in chapter 40, and it came to pass in the first month, in the second year, on the first day of the month, that the tabernacle was reared up. And let me just tell you something. Um, so here's a here's a great shout out to um, the mighty men of Yahuwah uh, here in our local assembly that put up our tent for the first time this last Sukkot. It's a pretty big tent. It's like 140 foot by 80 foot. It's, I think, 11,000 square foot inside. It's huge. And let me tell you something. Uh, that's like not easy work, putting that thing up. And so, you know, we could make the, we could we could go with, hey, you know, it's, it's not work. This wasn't work for employment or for gain. Fair enough. That's a good point. 
But at the same time, this is extremely laborious. Uh, and I don't know. I, I, Yahweh could have easily picked the next day if, of course, if, of course, the first day of the month is a Shabbat, which I don't believe it is. Um, but actually going a little further into mighty men of Yahuwah who are skilled in labor, um, again, just reflecting on the last couple weeks of Torah portions, we see a lot of the, the building. And I, I've been uh, very open to let you know that I am just not one of those skilled labor guys. Maybe it's because I wasn't born with that skill, or maybe it's because I never matured that talent. I don't know. Maybe a little bit of both. But nevertheless, uh, I'm constantly surrounded by men who are, and I'm very thankful for you all. Uh, you know who you are. And of those of you that I, I don't know personally, who are skilled tradesmen, um, things could not go on without you. Uh, so even if it doesn't, even if you don't think your role is important to the body, it is. Uh, think about this tabernacle. Think about uh, Solomon's temple. Of course, Solomon gets all the glory. What about all the hard workers that went into building that? There's tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people that went into doing that. Uh, and so much like today, the body cannot function without you skilled tradesmen. I know we live in community here and we've got a couple of a couple of men here that when everything when anything goes wrong, they're like there they're right there to fix it. And what would it be like without them? It would be, well, I wouldn't say the word impossible because we know nothing's impossible, but uh, it would be a lot more difficult. And I want to read uh, two for you tradesmen out there. I want to read Sirach 38, 27 through 32. And it says this, So too is every craftsman and master workman who labors by night as well as by day. Those who cut the signets of seals, each is diligent in making a great variety. He sets his heart on painting a lifelike image, and he is careful to finish his work. So too is the smith sitting by the anvil, intent on his handiwork in iron. The breath of the fire melts his flesh, and he wastes away in the heat of the furnace. He inclines his ear to the sound of the hammer, and his eyes are on the pattern of the object. He sets his heart on finishing his handiwork, and he is careful to complete its decoration. So too is the potter sitting at his work and turning the wheel with his feet. He is always deeply concerned over his work, and all his output is by number. He molds the clay with his arm and makes it pliable with his feet. He sets his heart to finish the glazing, and he is careful to clean the furnace. All these rely upon their hands, and each is skillful in his own work. Listen to this carefully. Without them... A city cannot be established, and men can neither sojourn nor live there. And I just want to say one more time a, a, a big thanks and gratitude for you men of skilled labor out there. Um, thank you. I, I can tell you uh, firsthand from our little community and congregation out here, we, we wouldn't be able to function without you. And so I think these last couple weeks of the Torah portion really, uh, you know, I think that's kind of the, the anecdote there, the kind of the side story that we don't really uh, see unless we slow down and, and really think about it. So just uh, wanted to share that. Um, and really, uh, outside of that, uh, um, it, it will, another kind of spiritual significance, we see that the, um, the, the assembly or the tabernacle was put together and erected on the first day of uh, the first month. Um, and so kind of interesting. I think a lot of us believe that pass the Passover season could be the time that he comes to get us, just like, you know, the story repeating. He brought them out of Egypt uh, for the Passover, and what if he does that again? So Jeremiah 38 in the uh, Septuagint, which is equivalent to Jeremiah 31 in the Masoretic, probably confusing maybe for some of you out there, but nevertheless, uh, Jeremiah 38, 8 says this, Behold, I bring them from the north and will gather them from the end of the earth to the feast of Passover. So 
the big gathering in the last days uh, where he gathers all of his people from the four corners, it says he's going to gather them for Passover. So my thinking is he'll probably gather us before Passover starts, maybe at some point between the first day of the first month and the 14th, which it depends on when you're listening to this right now. We're in the middle, not in the middle, but in between um, New Year's, which is the first day of the first month, and uh, the 14th day of the month of Passover. So, um, hey, I'm hopeful every year. And uh, who knows? There's still time. He's still, there's still time for him to come get us this year. But obviously, we don't know the day or the hour. So we won't uh, we won't go down that too much. So anyways, um, just wanted to mention that. So that's that ends the book of Exodus. Um, I pray it was a blessing for you in some way. Uh, a couple announcements. Just a reminder, if you're, if you're watching this um, uh, somewhat uh, close to a recording date, is uh, we are roughly a week and a half from Passover, and uh, there's still uh, if you still would like to come join us, um, the registration link is in the description box um, below this video. Also on the homepage of www.parableofthevineyard.com. Uh, make sure Vineyard has an E-V-I-N-E, parableofthevineyard.com. And um, yeah, we look forward to, to, to celebrating um one of the feast days with you. So uh, with that, I believe uh, we are all... Also, I want to let you know that we'll have... Um, maybe I'll include it in the description box, but uh, if some of you all out there want to order, some, some of you that can't come, we'll have t-shirts available. Um, if you are interested in those, I'll have a link for you guys to, um, to be able to order those if you'd like, and they can be shipped to you. So... Uh, with that, I'm going to play a song. I'm going to play the song of Sukkot. I know it's not the right season, but um, just every time I, I watch this video, it reminds me of just how awesome it is to camp out with um, many of y'all's people for uh, many days. And that's what we'll be doing here less than two weeks. So I'm excited. Uh, so with that, brothers and sisters, blessings, shalom. If you uh, do happen to like our music, you can go to the homepage of Parable of the Vineyard. Scroll all the way down the homepage. Down here it says POTV Music. Simply Prodigal is the name of our band. And we'll be playing this song right here, the song of Sukkot. So, uh, blessings, shalom, in the name of Yahusha.
Calling us in 